0: and welcome to Gamers on the Go, a podcast dedicated solely to those games that you can take with you. I'm your host, Chase Kenneke. Uh Today's show is our second part of our Game of the Year extravaganza uh-huh. family of podcasts, I guess. Um, we're talking about the Vita and mobile games, uh, the best ones of those of the year, and my guest is Pierce Corshane. Hi, Pierce.
1: Hello.
0: Yeah, it's good to have you back on. It's been not very long at all.
1: I know. It's actually kind of <laughs> nice. I feel like there's more of a rhythm now, I don't know, yeah. even though it was just.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it's good to have you back on, and uh, after doing our our last show, or my last show with uh, with Matt Jaguar about the 3ds best 3ds games of the year, um, I thought I'd bring you on since you are a new Vita owner, and uh, new, new and, and proud. <laughs> we need we need more proud Vita
1: owners. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about.
0: And then uh, you also dabble in the Android um, marketplace of mobile games.
1: Yes, I'm a, a desk Android player. I will play the shit out of mobile games when
0: I'm sitting at work. Uh, so, yeah, I got you covered in that department. Yeah, now. because I, I own an iPhone, so I'm, I'm all on the iOS side. And I don't know how many uh, Android-only games that uh, you're going to be bringing to the table for this podcast, but it's okay. nice, it's nice to have that perspective. Exactly. So, uh, I think we got a, a real nice range here. Uh, Across the aisle here. <laughs> yes, we're, com- we're coming together. This is, this is a show all about... What
2: 2016
0: needs. <laughs> you, you know, man, really. Absolutely. Oh, goodness. Uh, well, let's first start with uh, the Vita, if we might. And I think any discussion about the Vita... Uh, any, any discussion about the Vita at the end of 2016... Uh, probably needs to have a conversation about whether the Vita is still alive or not.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's too bad that we're having that conversation, but it is a necessary conversation.
0: And it's a conversation we seem to have every year. Uh, sure. or Or that gets brought up every year of, wow, man, you know, this thing had so much potential, and Sony totally neglected it, and now it's on life support, but it's been on life support for years, and I don't know. It's... It, it, it makes me sad of, of what the Vita could be, but I, I still really like what the Vita
1: is. I don't think it's any more live than it was a year ago, but it's also not any more dead.
0: <laughs> well, we just had uh, the PlayStation experience uh, a few weeks ago, and it, th- at least during that conference, they mentioned the Vita a couple times, which is not something that I remember happening the year before at PSX. Yeah,
1: so, wasn't it a big slap in the face when they <laughs> totally didn't mention it at all last
0: year? Yeah. Uh, so in that respect, the Vita's more alive than it's been in a long while. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, this is a system that, at this point in its lifespan, is really kind of just a port factory. And, and we're getting all these great games, uh, indie games that uh, had been on Steam before or had been on PC or had shown up on PS4 or are are just kind of this afterthought cross-buy thing when people are making PS4 games. And I don't know, that I mean that's that's disappointing, but I think the the quality of these titles are still really high. And I
1: think so too. And you know with all with the Switch coming out and all the speculation about the Twitch, it, there's almost like a feeling of the Vita is kind of like the Switch, in a way, like you have all these really great ports, or like the crossplay feature, and that's kind of what I'm using it for already. That's one of the reasons why I'm really excited about the Switch, is that the things I like about the Vita are the, are the features that Nintendo's selling in the future.
0: Yeah i i I, I would be really interested to see what the Game of the Year conversations will be like next year. Because, uh, like, how do you classify things? Uh, not so much that. Just just more of how exciting things are going to be with, uh, with a new console, with how, how the 3ds continues to, to live in that ecosystem of what does happen to the Vita. If, if it, if it does get, uh, some more games or if this is really the time where it ends, um, we've seen Nintendo move into, um, into mobile devices, uh, with, with Miitomo and, and Super Mario run and Pokemon go to a smaller extent. And, and we know that they have an Animal Crossing and a Fire Emblem game uh, coming to mobile devices uh, probably next year. So I, I'm just I'm excited about the landscape of mobile gaming or handheld gaming on on the whole. Uh, so so that should be really exciting. But
2: yeah, I totally agree.
0: Let's let's get back our focus here to the Vita. Um, I. I think we can we can structure this show very similar to, similarly to the way that the 3DS show was structured in that this is going to be more conversational. We're not making a list here. We're not determining the best Vita game that came out this year. Uh, it, it's more of just talking about games that we played that we really enjoyed, that we think are deserving of, of discussion or, or worthy of acknowledgement and... And we'll just we'll do that for a little while, and then we'll move on to uh, mobile devices, iOS and Android, and then we'll wrap this thing up and, and call it a show. Uh, Pierce has written a top five handheld games of the year uh, that that aren't just Vita and, and mobile, but uh, can include 3DS as well. I don't know if you had any 3DS games on your on your list. Did uh, you? I had Pokemon Moon on there. Okay, that's right. Uh, so uh, look for that. Uh, if you're hearing this podcast right now, that that post should be up. Of pierces so you can see that and then my top 10 handheld games uh, of the year oh, should be going up bigger. well you know i'm i'm the host of this thing i kind of get <laughs> to make my own rules and uh i also feel like i've probably played more handheld games than anyone host or tyrant <laughs> uh, maybe some of both i'm okay with that i'm okay with being the handheld games tyrant um but, yeah, let's move into uh, to some Vita titles here. So, Pierce, you being the guest, I'm going to give you First Crack. Uh, let's just talk about something that you enjoyed from uh, from the Vita this year.
1: Yeah, one of the things that made my top five list and uh, is turning into a fantastic series um, is Hitman Go. Uh, I picked it up because it was on sale, which isn't necessarily a good reason to pick up any game. Mm-hmm. Um, But being a tabletop fan and someone who is, like, disinterested, not disinterested, but hasn't played a Hitman game before, I kind of came to it um, with uh, familiarity for, like, the structure of Hitman Go um, without any, like, the warm, fuzzy feelings toward the the franchise that it was tied to. Uh, Do you want me to go into detail about you know, how the game plays, or are we
0: kind of talking broad strokes right now? No, let's let's get into it. Like, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have relatively short conversations about um, these games that are important to us, and then we'll just kind of gloss over some of the ones that, that are less important. Sure. But um, I would like to hear you talk about Hitman Go because it's one of the, the Go games that I haven't played. Uh, and it's also oh, interesting it's- because that's, it's the first Go game. It's the, yeah. it's the first Go from Square Enix. Um, they've, they've also made Lara Croft Go which came out last year I believe it just came out recently for, for PlayStation 4 um, but the, the iOS and Android versions came out last year and then the big new one uh, from the Square Enix team is, is Deus Ex Go which uh, you haven't played right?
1: No I haven't but it looks pretty
0: awesome I've, I've heard some good things and that game having the level editor is, is interesting as well um, but there's something about Hitman Go and the more minimalistic nature of it because Lara Croft Go they really added a lot more um, more things to the environment. It's a very lush game, sure. and, and Deus Ex Go has a very. It's not. They they went back a little bit on the on the lushness, but it's very it's very of the themes of Deus Ex Go. I mean, you're getting your hexagons, you're getting your. Tronny looking light stuff. Um, but Hitman Go is, of those three games, is the most that seems like a very simplistic board game. And I think that's actually what draws me to it the most. I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to playing this at some point. I'm trying to decide whether I want to play it on my iPad or play the Definitive Edition on the Vita, which is the one you played. So talk about the Definitive version.
1: Yeah, so the Definitive Edition, uh, compiles all of the, um, I don't want to say maps, but like they have like each little, uh, worlds. And then they have within those worlds, there's, I don't know, 20 levels that you go through. So the point of it, uh, for most levels is to advance, um, your agent from like one end of the map to the other by dodging, um, guards, dodging turrets or not turrets, but like snipers. Um, and trying to get through there without getting detected. Uh, so it, it is played on like a very right angle um, square board with like nodes that you, you move to. Um, and so yeah, it, it is like, it, it's got a great learning curve because the game isn't by any means like this really difficult puzzler, but it gives you just a little bit each time and, and those levels are nice and short and sweet. And with the definitive edition compiling everything, you, like you really feel like you're getting a meaty game, even though it's it can it can be played in such a, a perfect burst of time. Um, kind of what you're saying about Dave accent and Lara Croft, or comparing the the three styles. Hitman Go definitely is kind of like stripped down um, compared to those games. And I haven't played those games, but just by looking at them, uh, something I've really loved is all three of those games seem to. Uh, keep the ethos of the franchises they're borrowing from, Definitely. and and, H- and Hitman go absolutely like it's got that like very sterile environment, and the board game like fits that kind of like not lifelessness but nihilism almost.
0: Yeah, it's it, I'll agree with that, and and it also has the kind of sneaking around and and stealth elements. Where Laura Croft more has that exploration stuff, and and they kind of cheese it by having just some some random collectible stuff strewn around the maps that you kind of have to look for uh, in Laura Croft. But there's there's a lot more of environmental puzzle solving and some of that exploration aspect. And then Deus Ex Go has a lot of the hacking uh, qualities that that Deus Ex is known for, uh, where you're fixing turrets to to shoot at enemies and instead of getting your hands dirty yourself or or adding adding some camouflage to yourself with some futuristic tech where hitman is very stripped down and and putting those getting getting your hitman on and trying to to catch somebody from behind and assassinating them and getting out clean
2: yeah
0: um, so yeah I'm, I'm really excited about it. it it sounds good uh how much is it on vita do you remember
1: Paid like seven bucks for it, eight bucks for it okay. when it was on sale. So it might be like fifteen
2: normally. I'm not sure.
0: That's not a terrible price, and I'm sure it's. I think it's a little bit cheaper on on um, iOS and, and Android. Yeah. But uh, having all of that content packaged up into one uh, one title sounds sounds pretty appealing. I I might have to get it on Vita. I, I think that that might be where I. I end like up the going.
1: trophy support. I like that. I think
0: it's a good place to do it. Yeah. Oh, looking it up here, Lara Croft Go also came to uh, Vita this year. So if uh, if you're looking for the uh, good sequel to that, I don't believe Deus Ex Go is on uh, Vita yet, but I would assume it gets there uh, yeah, if, if these other two are to be uh, to be you know, used as the the barometer for that. Um, well, uh, you know when. We mentioned this at the top of the show, and, and you mentioned it with Hitman here. Of, you know, these are ports, and, and that's what the Vita gets known for right now. So uh, I just kind of want to run down some of these these really good ports of games that we got. Um, we got uh, – let's see here. We got a, we got a port of X, XCOM Enemy Unknown. Uh, which is a really good game. I know that you've had some reservations about XCOM and turn-based strategy games in general. Yeah, I kind
1: of bossed out of it. Uh,
0: but I really enjoyed playing that game on the Xbox 360, and, uh, the Vita seems like a, a decent port of it. Uh, I know the Vita isn't (laughs) quite as strong, so there, there might be some more framiness, uh, to it, but I think, uh... I think it's it's still a really solid game, and being turn based, it's not too big of a deal for some frames to drop every now and then because you're not having to make twitch based uh, reflex decisions. Uh, so that's that's always a good time. Um, we got uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, <laughs> so um, we both so we both gave this game a shot. Um, we did. We. I think oh, we, we saw it on, on PC. I, I don't think either of us have played the PC version, no. but uh, it came out on PC and it looked really good there. and I, I believe they announced that a Vita version was coming uh, soon after and, and lo and behold, it did, which you know isn't always a guarantee anymore. I know Hyperlight Drifter uh, ended up cutting its Vita version uh, this year, which was really disappointing uh, but understandable. And, and so it's, it seems to be kind of par for the course of, of some people pulling support for the veto. but uh, Darkest Dungeon did make it, and I don't think our problem is with the game itself because there's there's a lot of really cool, uh, I mean, you talked about nihilism in Hitman, but there's a lot of nihilism in this of just, these, these characters go through some bad shit. They
1: do, I, I, I like that, they are acknowledging the characters struggle with that bad shit with their like nervousness or whatever they call it, the insanity meter.
0: Yeah. They're getting, they're getting all these, uh, different mental issues with them and, and somebody is, is envious and, and that makes or selfish and that makes them act in, in specific ways. And it's, it's a game that, uh, I mean, it's, it's a dungeon crawler, um, and and you have a, a group of... It's it's a little bit like XCOM in the way that you have this, this group of kind of no-name people and you can keep grabbing new recruits. Um, but there is that permadeath quality to it. And you're going to end up losing guys a lot. Um, but neither of us got very far in the Vita version. and I think that was mainly due to uh, the UI, right?
1: Yeah, the UI was a mess. Maybe not even a, a mess on the PC version, but it just seems like they didn't... Change anything like from the PC version, it, it it was impossible to read any of the text and then really navigate through those menus and through just your inventory and your abilities and skills and equipping stuff. It, it all just like just, my hands did not commute, compute.
0: It, yeah, it was very dense and and the text was incredibly small. And then it didn't help that it had some glitchy issues um, when it first came out that led to both of us thinking, like, are we even playing this game right? And we found out yeah. later, oh, that it was a problem. There's, It wouldn't actually let you start the game for real. Um, and and that, I think that left a bad taste in both of our mouths. And then when we actually gave it a real shot, uh, just that UI stuff was was just a little too far of a hill to climb. Um, so, I mean, I still have it. I still might try it again in, in 2017. Um sure. But I believe it's out on PS4 as well, so I think that might be a better place to try it, just to have the the bigger screen space and the and the more uh, let the UI spread out a little bit, so I can actually understand what's going on and and how things work. Uh, but I, I think my favorite of the ports to Vita this year had to be Risk of Rain. Uh, Pierce, did you actually end up playing any Risk of Rain this year?
1: I didn't. And it's, it's such a game that I would like to just, just judging by watching some Let's Plays and stuff
0: like that. It's really, really good. Uh, again, this is another game that came out on steam before it came out on steam last year, maybe two years ago. And it, it's a rogue light. If you want to throw that language around, uh, you're, it's pixel based. you uh, you can pick from a, a variety of different characters and each character has different uh, abilities. It's kind of like a hotkey stuff uh, that takes a little bit of inspiration from maybe some MMO kind of kind of stuff where you, you'll use your abilities and then you'll have to wait for them to cool down. But the, the big thing in here is that you are constantly getting power-ups, that there are power-ups that are just strewn across the field or you have to purchase them with with money that you get from killing enemies and enemies will continually just keep spawning in and the, it has a really great difficulty curve where it has all of these different uh, difficulties, the default difficulties to begin with. So you can start on something that's relatively easy and, and that allows you to kind of play through it on, on your own and and have a good time and collect a bunch of the power ups and feel really strong. It gives me a, a, a sense very much like uh, binding of Isaac where you can get to a point where you've stacked so many power-ups on top of each other that you're kind of just a walking God at that point <laughs> and just mowing things down. And it's, it, that can be really fun. Um, then you'll bump it up to normal difficulty and you're just scratching and clawing, like trying, trying to get through each area and, Probably not making it all the way to the end. It's it's hard on normal. It really is difficult. Uh, and then it does have a hard mode that is just insane. <laughs> um, it looks very chaotic to it, me. It can be, absolutely. And it, and it starts out very quiet, but in addition to those default difficulty modes, there is a uh, rolling difficulty that the game adds in That's that's kind of unique. I haven't seen another game do something like this there's a, a meter on the top right part of the screen that shows you how, <laughs> how tough the game is. And it's all based on the time. So if you want to get through, if you want to keep the game, if you want to keep the enemies as easy as possible, you need to run through things very quickly and, and get to the finish of each area. And there's a boss at each, each uh, the end of each area and you need to uh, trigger that boss fight very quickly and finish off all the enemies to get to that boss and and then get to the next area because that will, that cumulative difficulty just keeps going and by the end of the game, you're getting to what they call like insane difficulty. And even, even if you'd chosen easy difficulty to start with, uh, that meter will still have gone up enough where it's, it, it gets hard. Like it, it will get impossible at a point because the enemies will just have so much health and will deal so much damage. Um, but that's that's kind of this really good risk-reward system of the faster you get through the game, the easier the enemies are. But at the same time, if you've been going through it very quickly, you're probably not grinding for power-ups. And you need those power-ups because the, the enemies will end up out... Uh, their stats will just eclipse yours and and it'll become impossible as well. So you need to strengthen yourself while also getting through very quickly. And it's this really nice push and pull system that I just, I really had a total blast. And this game does have co-op, online co-op, and I'm really excited uh, maybe in 2017 finding uh, some time to sit down with you and and play through this game because I think that's where the, we're starting it out on hard mode. If you have two people in there, maybe it's possible because sure. <laughs> it is doesn't seem possible player? single player, but that's, is there a
1: friendly fire chase? uh,
0: I don't remember. I, I don't know. I haven't gotten to play uh, co-op uh, mode yet, so, uh, I'm not sure. I don't think there is that. That it's seems like possible. that would be kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but it's possible, I suppose. Uh, so yeah, how about, how about you go next?
1: Um, yeah, are we still talking about ports?
0: Uh, whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, if you have one that's a port, let's talk about it.
1: Uh, I played Downwell, and I was really disappointed by it.
0: I was disappointed as well, but I played the iOS version last year. I didn't actually try it on Vita. Um, what what about Downwell disappointed you?
1: It it has nothing to do with the actual, like, port of it. It, it, it It controls very solidly, and it looks great, it sounds great. Um, but there's... It's lacking, the game itself is lacking like a um, it's, it's a roguelike and you're just falling down a well and you're trying to get from uh, through five zones or four zones um, presumably to the bottom I never made it down um, and there's just like a lack of variety in it. Like, uh, I love roguelikes and there is a repetition to roguelikes and roguelites however you want to define them <laughs> but this one just didn't seem to offer very much below the surface pun intended
2: <laughs> yeah
0: nice uh, uh, I, so I yeah I had issues with it as well I know it's got a combo system that is kind of hard to, to wrap your brain around when it when you're first starting it and I have seen I've watched videos of people playing Downwell correctly or playing it well and it's kind of incredible and kind of mesmerizing when you see be, see see it being played somewhat professionally, sure. <laughs> uh, and I could never make it across that hump. Uh, I would always the the way your combo system the way the combo system works is that as long as you're in the air, your combo will not go away. But once you land on the ground, your combo uh-huh. eliminates. So you want to keep shooting enemies. To stay in the air, and you can still you can bounce off some enemies' heads, and there are ways of getting your your ammunition back while you're still in the air. Because uh, I think your ammo uh, reloads every time you actually stand on the ground, but there are ways of keeping that that going even while you're in the air. And I just I couldn't quite get my my head around it, and and I ended up kind of bouncing off it somewhat quickly. Um, let me ask you this: On the Vita, does it make you turn the system sideways?
1: No, no, you, you play it normally. So th- th- there's, uh, there's a lot of space that's not being used up. Yeah, but I don't want I don't want to turn my Vita sideways. Right, so that I'm would. Okay with that, I
0: so. mean, I'm not. It's I, I'm in St. Louis. It's not like there's really a subway system to to use here. But I could see somebody not wanting to play that game on a bus or something because they look like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: It's like, are you you know how? do you
0: <laughs> so I, I guess it makes sense to, to have it be landscape, but it, it does seem like such a waste of screen real estate not to yeah. not to take advantage of that extra uh, to take advantage of that portrait nature of it. Well and when I first booted up the game, I like
1: you have the option to jump down the well and like you know, start your run. Um, but you can kinda go back and forth in that little patch of grass at, at the top of the well. And I thought there'd be like more to it. Like you, you move you kind of move left or right and you discover more on the screen like really naively and then when I realized that that was it that was kind of like the first punch in the gut sort of thing that maybe this game isn't going to be as flushed out as I necessarily wanted to yeah. and you're right about the combo system like I tried my hand at it and I feel like I'm patient enough to like get a hang of that but even I, I just couldn't like I just didn't have the dexterity I guess <laughs> like uh, I wasn't reacting fast enough. Ever, even
0: when I like really gave it a good try, I just couldn't get a hold of it. Yeah, it, it's tough. Um, and and for me, I'm not. I'm just not a big fan of Twitch-based games in in general. Um, I, I think if somebody sees what my top ten list is, they're going to see a lot of turn-based RPGs because that's that's what I'm into. I, I especially for handheld games or, or games on the go, if you will. Um, i like having that time to plan moves or also to take my attention away from my system to look up and watch tv or to have a conversation with a with a person or uh, just having that freedom to not have to be locked in my screen all the time and a game like downwell you don't get that option it's
1: are you trying to combo
0: yeah, yeah, like you better you better be uh, paying attention to the game the entire time, uh, and because that's the only way that you will do well at down um, But yeah, so uh, moving on, uh, I would like a game that I 2016 is a lot of games that came out that I wanted to play more and didn't get a chance to, and I think on Vita that happened more than any other system for sure. Um, and one of the ones, uh, since we're still kind of talking about these ports, uh, was Axiom Verge.
1: Yeah, it seems, uh, like, I want to hear your thoughts on it, because I want to play it, and I, I want to like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I've always had this very complicated, uh, relationship with the Metroid series. I'm, I'm not a Metroid fan. Uh, I'm not really a Castlevania fan. There, I've found a couple of games within those franchises that I've enjoyed, but for the most part, I'm not. I just don't really enjoy that type of of game. Uh, I'm not. I'm not really good at it. I feel like I'm wasting my time when I'm just walking around maps and looking for the the crack in the wall to use the bomb on or something like that. And it's just, I. I I just don't feel like I get it. But Axiom Verge, I think they do some cool things to make the, to make the more Metroid-y parts of it that I wouldn't traditionally enjoy. It makes them a little more palatable. Um, the, the world of Axiom Verge is kind of gross and throbbing in a really cool way. The music is really good and the the selection of weapons you you gain over the course of the adventure and and this is a game where i've only beaten a couple of the bosses so far and and really haven't gotten to the big meat of it but i've from what i have played i've enjoyed and one of the really cool things is that they give you a whole mechanic based on finding those cracks in the walls that that a metroid would would be where you need to just bomb random Areas of the map, and oh, that's where an extra door was. That's where the hidden area needed to be. Um, they give you this glitch gun that just will show you, will, will reveal areas of the map that um, will will show some of that corrupted looking uh, data, and and then you'll be able to uh, you know go to new areas or, or test some new things out, and and that's just a. It's a cool mechanic. It's a cool way of presenting the the Metroidvania style of of gameplay, and I just think it's I think it's a really cool presentation. Um,
1: that that appeals to me definitely because that, that does it make it easier? I assume
0: no, certainly not. It's it's still a hard game. There's there's still uh, some difficult enemies. Um, there's still that Metroid style shooting of of you know not having the right angle for an enemy that's coming at you and, and yeah. that makes me feel a little impotent and and kind of reminds me of why i don't really like this genre of game but yeah. um, I think they do enough with the with the weapons and you get weapons actually relatively quickly in this game uh, there are some weapons that make it easier to to uh, traverse the world and I'm okay with that and getting, getting through the world to get to the cool boss fights or getting through the world to find the secrets. You know, those are the things you're, you're trying to do and taking on these, you know, equivalents of the, the bats in Mario or something like that. Like that, that's not the fun part. Like that's just, that's just filler stuff to get you uh, from one place to the other and, and have make you do something while you're, while you're running around. But, um, I think that the selection of weapons in Axiom Verge helps, helps that to make it a, a more fun experience as you're doing that filler stuff. Um, so so de- definitely something I will go back to in 2017 yeah, and play some God. more of. Keep it. On, keep on with it. Yeah. Um, and then I think the big, uh, the big port we need to talk about is, uh, is uh, the game that we've already talked about uh, on a podcast uh, only a couple shows ago. Yeah. And that's SteamWorld Heist. I mean, we don't, we don't have to talk much about it because, again, we, we did an entire show about SteamWorld Heist, uh, though not specifically about the Vita version of it or, or the iOS version uh, or, because it also came to mobile devices this year as well. But this was a, a 2015 3DS game. It was uh, my game of the year last year. And seeing it get a, a Vita port this year. And seeing your excitement for playing the game through the first time uh, has been has been a really nice moment for me. So if you want to talk just a little bit about SteamWorld Heist, I'd love to hear, hear what you have to say.
1: Yeah, um, it, it really is a fantastic game. And I think when we were talking about Darkest Dungeon, one of the things I was going to say is that the 2D perspective, I thought, um, really turned me off for some reason. And... For I know they're not the same game at all, but I was really apprehensive about Steamworld Heist because of a two D perspective that's like turn based and and has some like shooting mechanics. It just seemed really like seemed like it wasn't going to work. Um, but what everything is done so well, the movement is crisp, um, it, it's fast, and and the shooting is is satisfying. And lining up shots is super easy. And there's it easy to learn, like you know, kind of hard to master, especially as you get different guns as the game goes on. That everything about that game seems fair and built with the player in mind. Like there's a lot of quality of life things in uh, both SteamWorld games. Or oh, I, I haven't played the, the original, but in the two SteamWorld games I've played, there's just a lot of quality of life, like an understanding of what a player doesn't want to deal with. <laughs> And I, 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 like, I think that's kind of vague of me saying, but you have, you kind of know what I mean. Like, there's no, um, there's no like bullshit difficulty spikes. There's no, there's very little randomization, and it just feels like a game that um, I, I know what to expect, and I, I know, I know what the output is going to be for all the input that I'm putting into it. Um, and I'm just at that point in my life where. That is so rewarding. <laughs> I think as you get older, life becomes a little more chaotic and a little more, not unfair, but more unpredictable and, and predictable in its unfairness. Um, and and SteamWorld Heist is just like this nice, spacey environment where I can go and like justice is always done.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm with you. There, there is definitely some randomness to SteamWorld Heist. Uh, some of the levels are procedurally generated. Um, some of the uh, if you if you land a hit on the head, there's a chance that it can be a critical hit uh, and do extra damage. But overall, Seamworld Heist is a very skillful game, um, and they've taken out a lot of the dice rolls that come with a turn-based strategy RPG game like that. Where where something like Darkest Dungeon is all about dice rolls. It's all about you know whether whether this. Uh, condition that my my person has whether that procs this time this turn or not if i do a hit whether it does you know the one to four uh, the d4 roll like which how much damage does it does it do um for steamworld heist it's it's very much because of that yoshi's island style of of you know gun sway that it allows you to be a lot more skillful in your actions than than a traditional game of this type. And I think that is such a that's such a cool thing. And it turns it turns that genre on its head a little bit and really makes for something unique and fun and interesting. And that's what I loved so much about Steamworld Heist uh, last year. And and then you add on just everything else that's that's just kind of gravy in that it has this cool world and fun loot and the music is is neat and different and uh, it's just it's it's all very well done but the mechanics of it specifically are what are what spoke to me and <laughs> i i have this i had this rule uh, it's a dumb rule but i had this rule that if a game has shown up on a handheld platform in uh, in years past that I'm not going to include it for my game of the year for the the present year. So for me, uh, Steamworld Heist is is kind of disqualified. Whereas a That's game like ris- Whereas a game like Risk of Rain is not, because Risk of Rain has only been on uh, PC or only been on non-portable platforms up until 2016. Uh, so it's a it's a weird caveat and i just i need to put that out there so people go oh well you love steamworld heist last year why is it not as high this year or why is it not on your list this year and it's like well it, it, if i include it on my list this year i just have to give it number one again because it's still really really good but it oh, didn't whatever. stop it didn't stop you from putting it uh, on the top of your list
1: that did, yeah, it's it's definitely on top of my list, and it's something that I, I want to play the DLC, and I, I probably want to go back to and like kind of mop up some of the requests I didn't quite um, perfect. Yeah, so I'll definitely be replaying it twenty seventeen.
0: As a person who replayed it in twenty sixteen to play the the Vita version in uh, in a preparation for our podcast, uh, our podcast about the game. Uh, I can tell you that it's still a hell of a lot of fun to go back to, uh, and to, to even though you know what's coming, it's it's still a hell of a ride. And and the DLC I found to be really fun as well, and a really good addition. Um, let's let's quickly get through some more of these ports. I know there's a ton of these games that we haven't played that are probably worthy of discussion or worthy of acknowledgement. Again, but being that we haven't played them, it's it's not really something that we can we can really talk about. So a game like Crypt of the Necrodancer Dancer is something that showed up on, uh, on some, lit- so cool? it, it looks amazing. Uh, it's on, I believe it's on iOS as well and maybe Android. Um, and this, this game showed up. I mean, it's on Vita as well. That's why we're talking about it right now in the Vita section. Um, but it's, it's something that showed up on some of my contributors lists and it does look really cool, and I'd really like to give it a shot, I, even though I know I'm terrible at uh, rhythm games in like this. I, I know that I would be bad at this. I know that I would not very get very far, but from the music and style alone, I still want to give it a shot. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It, it, I was listening to the soundtrack at work today, just... Because, because it's yeah. such a great
0: soundtrack. It's it's a good soundtrack. It's it's worth looking into the soundtrack even if you're not going to play the game, because um, it's it's that well done. Uh, so yeah, Crypt of the Necrodancer is good. Um, let's see here, um, Alone with You is a is a cool looking adventure game that's got a pixel art style. Um, I believe it came to Steam earlier this year and then came to Vita later this year. Um, but that looked really good and, and maybe someday I'll play that. I believe that uh, that's, you're kind of on, um, it's, it's very much like going around the space station and there's an AI that's helping you kind of thing that looks, it looks all right. Like the, the story of it sounds cool. The, the art is, is really, really nice. Um, and, and maybe someday I'll get to that. Uh, I downloaded volume, which, um, I think it came to PS4 and Vita at the same time. Actually, it might've even come to Vita first, uh, but I have not played it yet. And so I can't really speak to it, but it's the, it's another game by Mike Bithell, who you might remember from Thomas was alone. Uh, if you played through that, which is a really good game. Uh, this game is a completely different style of thing. It's, it's, uh, the, I think the, uh, the comparison a lot of people have been making is the VR missions from metal gear. Um, it, it's very much a, a stealth game where you're trying to to navigate through the vision cones of of enemies and and knowing the paths and and getting through without being seen. And it seems awesome, and I would like to give it a shot. But I I wanted to call it out here as as being something that that I heard really positive buzz about. Um, so so volume definitely check that out. Um, and then another port that got. Uh, that got mentioned by, um, I can't remember, I think it was Brian Glenn who put it on his uh, top five handheld games of the year list uh, for gamers on the go. Uh, and that was Volgar the Viking. Uh, and Volgar is a really difficult, crisp, but fair, I mean, if you want to get into the Dark Soulsy kind of comparison, it is it is one of those animation priority games, uh, hard enemies you've got to know what you're doing style of games um but it it has such a great art style and is is a 2d 2d i wouldn't really necessarily say platformer i mean you you are platforming but uh it's it's very much just struggling to get from one end to the other Uh, i think it it looks the combat feels a little bit more like castlevania even if it's not as open world as Castlevania, you're you're going through these very linear levels, but uh, you're you're attacking attacking enemies and avoiding their their shots. And um, I I don't I would be very bad at this game. I I could tell, but I would I'd still still want to try it at some point. Um, let's see. Let's talk about a game that we've played. <laughs> Pierce, what's yeah. an, what's another game you played on the Vita this year? Um, I don't
1: know. Hold on, hold on. Um, I don't know if I played anything else on the Vita.
0: Really? Okay. Uh, I can go then. Um, I, I played I played a little bit of Dragon Quest Builders.
1: Oh yeah, I, this is on my list to play.
0: It's. It's really good, and I think if I'd paid attention a little bit better at the very beginning, I'd have had even more fun with it. And I will use this as a cautionary tale for, for you and any listener out there. Um, Dragon Quest Builders is Minecraft with a story, with a real story. And that was infinitely appealing to me. Um, Minecraft has, has always scared me in that I know I would play that game forever if I started playing it, um, because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Legos and, and Have I've, never played Minecraft? I've never played Minecraft and it's been a conscious choice because I know that that game would suck me in and never let me That's go. Crazy. Um, so I, I can respect that. It's absolutely a great game. And I, I know it would be, I'm just, I like playing a variety of different games and to know that I would only then play one game forever. Um, <laughs> Would would probably just uh, that would not be good for a podcast such as <laughs> such as this one where I would need to talk about multiple ones. Um, but having a story attached to it where it's more linear felt like something maybe I could handle. I could get some of that Minecraft uh, itch out by playing through Dragon Quest Builders, but I can also get um, a a linear linearly told story, and it is that for sure. Um, I think the one thing I missed though was that. It's it's built into chapters, and when you finish a chapter, you have to leave everything behind. Oh man! And so I played through chapter one, and I took my time, and I it, the whole first chapter is about rebuilding this town. Uh, nobody nobody in the world knows what building is. They don't know how to craft, uh, and you are the you've been gifted the. Knowledge of crafting by the gods, and everyone around you is like, "Wait, what? You mean you can put this dirt and this stick together and it makes a thing? No way!" (laughs) Um, And that's it's that's really (laughs) cute, but you're you're rebuilding this. You're building on the ruins of a town and making it better again. And I got really into the base building of it and getting new materials and. Getting, uh, you know, finding the the grass that you can you can cut in the game, and then you have that as a raw raw material, and you can use that to make this kind of thatched flooring that you can put on top of the dirt, or or changing out my dirt walls for rock walls when I when I got the when I found when I upgraded my uh, when I upgraded my um, blunt weapon to be able to. Break through the rock.
1: Did, so, did you ever play Dark Cloud?
0: Did I ever play what? Dark Cloud? I didn't.
1: Oh, because this like what you're describing sounds a lot like Dark Cloud. Okay, uh, um, I'll have to I'll it, have to look into that. Yeah, it, the, it seems like the base building is a little more robust because they had like um, uh, like set plans. Like you were like reclaiming someone's house, so they knew what it looked like, and you had to like furnish it the way they wanted.
0: it mm. There, there are some blueprints in this game that that will show you how to make rooms. Uh, so it's still you still have the freedom to kind of build anything the way you want to. But then you will find, you know, here's what a room entails, and here's what here's what the blacksmithing room entails. And you need to get a forge, and you need to get a light source, and you need to have a door. Uh, those are the things that make up this room. But then you'll also find floor plans for for specific rooms. Like yeah, you can make. You can make a kitchen just by having the, the cooking ware and a door and a light source. But to make this specific pub, you need to have all these items and put them in this specific um, placement to make that happen. So all of that's really neat. And I got way into it and I kind of left the story of chapter one behind for a good, wa- good long while. And then when I felt like, you know, okay, I've, I feel like I've made this, this base into something pretty spectacular. I, I added this entire second floor. It was completely ridiculous because I, I, I made this hugely uh, high uh, balcony floor that held my character's room. And then everybody else just kind of had these apart- little apartments uh, down below. And it was ridiculous, but it was fun, and I was having such a good time with it. And then you get through the story of that, and you beat a boss, and then it lets you go back to the free mode of just, oh, yeah, you can keep playing around, and then, hey, here's this other thing that lets you get to chapter two. Okay, well, yeah, let's see what chapter two is. I'll just keep on building from this, and everything will be great. And when you get to the the god-spirit thing that says, okay, um... If you're ready for Chapter 2, just know that everything you've done here will all go away. And that sucked. That really hurt. Um, Yeah. Now now this game does have multiple save slots, so I was able to have my Chapter 1 area, and and that is all locked in, and it's on a save slot, and I can go back to it any time that I want. Um, And then once you beat Chapter 1, you also unlock a free sandbox mode where you can uh, put stuff together. Now, the problem with the sandbox mode is that you start back from scratch again there as well. And it's not just starting from scratch in that you have a flat piece of land, but it's starting from scratch in that you don't even have the upgraded tools. And that's that's what sucks, because that's the big curve of the game, is when you can upgrade your hammer to the the stone version or to the iron version that allows you to break through different materials and then to gather different types of materials so you can make new stuff so it goes back to having wooden implements and it just it slowed it slowed things way back down and I haven't started chapter two yet but I know that's what happens in chapter two as well is well now you have to go back to having to figure out how to make a very basic room again and even though I know how to make a basic room, I still don't have the materials with me, or I don't have the tools to get the materials to make that yet. I have to learn it all over, or my character has to learn it all over again. Even though me as the player, I totally understand what I need to do to get the forge made. And and that was a real bummer. It's a weird progression. And this game has a lot of chapters, and I did not even start chapter two. So... Despite putting maybe like 10, 10 or 15 hours into this game, all I did was beat Chapter 1. And I, there was something it's, kind of disappointing about that.
1: It still sounds like a game I want to give a shot. I don't know. If, I don't know if that would bug me as much now that i know that that's how that is
0: exactly and and that's that's this public service that i'm trying to do thank you Chase. Um, because if i had known and even when you finish the chapter it gives you a report card saying hey here's the amount of time it took you to finish it and it gives you you know a different medal or a different uh, you know ribbon or something for how quickly you finished it and i got the worst medal possible because it took me 10 hours sure. <laughs> because I didn't realize that I was on the clock. Um, so if you know that you're on the clock and you know that you're supposed to be progressing through this thing just to get to the next chapter, then I don't think it's a problem at all. And, but, but just going through the way I did and, and really exploring this world for all I could, it was, it was a real bummer when I got told all of that was being wiped away. But I still love that game. Uh, I believe it It did make my top 10, uh, even just from that very small slice of the game that I played. But I played that small slice a very long time and got a lot out of it. So uh, kudos to that game for that. And then the other big Vita game that I played this year that I really enjoyed was uh, Digimon Story Cyber oh Yep, You're Yep, going. we're going to talk about that. Uh, so Pierce is groaning because my book out. he knows he knows how much time I put into the, into this game. It came out early in the year. Uh, it came out for PS4 and and Vita at the same time. And Pierce and I met up at PAX East, and uh, he watched me play a lot of the end of that game, or what I thought was the end of that game, that just seemed to keep going on. Yeah, um, I eventually did beat it, uh, but I I just had an absolute blast. It's It's a Pokemon game for the Vita, more or less. Like, if you want to get super reductive, uh, the Vita doesn't have Pokemon, obviously, because that's a Nintendo property, but uh, Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth scratches that itch in a really nice way. Uh, The story's a little convoluted. It's kind of ridiculous, like Digimon is to Pokemon in in general. Uh, But the... The nostalgia rush that it gave me was was awesome because I I watched the show when I was a kid, um, I tried playing so, tried to play some of the games uh, when I was younger. I think I played like a Digimon World game for the DS at some point. That sounds great. Right. Um and and didn't like it at all. I I just couldn't understand what I was supposed to do. The level design was garbage. Uh I couldn't tell what I had to do to get new Digimon. It was it was very opaque and I, I just didn't have any fun with it at all. Uh, but this game fixed a lot of, a l- lot of those issues. Like I you kind of always know where you're going. Uh, the level, de- level design is pretty uninspired. You're, you're kind of going through this, uh, persona three, like tower where you, everything visually looks very similar, uh, in the, in the, Power world anyway but then you can also go to the outside world that is tokyo and explore around uh you know shibuya and akihabara and that kind of stuff and and see those places which are really well rendered and and look very nice but the uh i mean the big stars are the digimon themselves and and they've got a diverse move set and Ah, the, the animations are really good. I had just had a really good time playing this game and trying to unlock all of the, the different combinations. Uh, some di- different Digimon can fuse into other ones or can it, Digivolve under certain conditions. And to, to figure out all the ways that uh, that you could get these new versions was a, was a fun exercise for me. So even though it outlasts its welcome A good bit (laughs) because the story is very long and doesn't really go anywhere Um, it it was a lot of fun and i think if you are a person who has a vita who enjoys pokemon or enjoys those kinds of games i might give this one a shot because it's it it does it does well it it does well and pierce i know you have a vita and that you enjoy pokemon experiences Maybe this is something you should try at some point. <laughs>
1: there are other Pokemon games I could play instead.
0: That's true. That's true. I, I wouldn't say that, that Cyber Sleuth is better than a Pokemon game. Like if if we're going back to my top ten list this year, like Pokemon Sun and Moon are way above Cyber Sleuth, but it it is still it's a good game. It's a very solid game and I, I enjoyed my time with it.
1: I'm happy for you. <laughs> so we're done with that. That was actually pretty
0: quick and concise. Yeah, um, I think I think we're pretty much done with the Vita in general. I mean, there there are other yeah. games on my list that that people enjoyed, like um, Zero Escape: Zero Time Dilemma. Severed. Is something that showed up on people's lists. Severed showed up on a lot of people's lists, and I like severed is available for everything. This is a game that I totally should have played. It's on 3DS. It's on Vita. It's on uh, mobile devices. I it's by the the Guacamole guys and I love those guys and I, I love Guacamole a ton so there's nothing stopping me from playing Severed and I just didn't get around to it this year um, but hearing how many people enjoyed that game and how highly they enjoyed it um, I'm I'm definitely going to be checking that out uh, over the break um, we also got a new Final Fantasy not just Final Fantasy 15 but we got World of Final Fantasy. Uh, on the Vita, which I didn't play. I heard the port was bad. Uh, I that's I, a problem. I guess I haven't heard much about it at all. But um, yeah, sad that it's sad if it's not a good port. But, can just be uh,
2: yourself,
0: but but I also I also just from the bit I've seen of that game, I just don't know if it looks very good. No. Um, where it might take okay. a little too much inspiration story wise from a game like Kingdom Hearts. Uh, which, hey. which I I I'm, don't don't send me hate mail or something. I, I find Kingdom Hearts to be all right, uh, but uh, but the story part of Kingdom Hearts is not the good part of Kingdom Hearts. Um, sure, it's not the and then the I, I just didn't find the the stacking mechanic of World of Final Fantasy to be that um, to be that compelling no. for me to try Absolutely out. Absolutely not. No. Um, so. But that's out there. Uh, I also downloaded Odin Sphere uh, Lifterizer. I think that's how you'd pronounce it. Sure. Uh, I'm I am of German descent, but I am not uh, saying that I understand how to speak German.
1: Say it like American.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, I I really like uh, VanillaWare games. I I did download and enjoy a lot of Dragon's Crown. Uh, some of it I didn't quite enjoy. <laughs> um, but their previous game, and then I also really enjoy uh, Muramasa Demon Blade. Uh, and for the, the Vita port that it got a while ago, Muramasa Rebirth is really, really good. Um, so I immediately downloaded Odin Sphere and then just haven't put any time to it. Uh, I know that game is long and has uh, a lot of, lot of stuff in it. So at some point I will put my, sink my teeth into it, but that just wasn't this year. Uh, and then a game I downloaded today literally downloaded it today it came out today on december 20th um but i've played all of five minutes of it so i definitely couldn't say whether it's good or not is a shantae half genie hero there you go Uh, and i haven't played any of the shantae games before i know the first one came out in late in the game boy colors life cycle and and i just you know it was a hard cart to to get a hold of because it was uh, made in very limited quantities I know there have been some other Shantae games over the over the years, and I just haven't played any of them. Uh, but Way Forward always does a really great job with their art style; it's always very very light and colorful and and pretty and sharp. And, and I I I wanted to play this game. It came out today. It looks gorgeous, and uh, so far, again, I've only played about five minutes. So. Uh, definitely can't speak to its quality but uh WayForward has a pretty good track record so i would say if you uh, enjoy uh any of their offerings or enjoy 2D platformers at all uh Shantae is probably something to look look out for um but I, yeah i think that covers covers the vita
1: as best as we can yeah
0: yeah so let's let's have a conversation about mobile games and sure. Let's preface this by saying there are so many mobile games.
1: There really are. And I, I have, um, six or seven on the list, eight, I guess. I don't want to talk about them all, but even that, it feels like there's some of these games on here that's like, am I the only person in the world played this game? You know, <laughs> it, a- it,
0: it definitely feels like that for me as well. Um, I, I have a list, uh, not so many that I played, but a lot of that I know are big games and, and something that's worth talking about. But I think the point that we really are trying to make here is that because there's so much, we're definitely going to miss something. Uh, so don't, don't take this as the absolute best games that showed up on iOS or Android this year because there's just no way that we could cover all of those.
1: And for my end, like you have a responsibility to the podcast, much bigger responsibility than I do. But I'm just going to talk about the games I played.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but before we get into into specific games like that, and well, one of them is a specific game that you've played. But um, I think the biggest news for iOS this year was really Nintendo, and we mentioned it a little bit at the beginning of the podcast. But seeing Nintendo move into. Uh, into the mobile space, (coughs) excuse me, Uh, seeing them move into the mobile space has been fascinating. Uh, Especially the, the kind of hot and cold ways that people have responded to the three, well, two and then one quasi Nintendo game that have come out for, uh, for iOS. And I think some of them have come to Android, but not all of them. So, really, what we're talking about here is Mitomo, Pokemon Go, and Super Mario Run. And Pierce, you being an Android user, you have not gotten to play Super Mario Run. SOL. Well. Um, and I don't think you actually played any Mitomo, did you? No. no. And there's really not much to talk about because it's not really a game. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a Tomodachi life mixed with some Animal Crossing, but neither. It, it doesn't have the the robustness of either of those games um which i would call games uh this is more of just a a social network that you know had some cute things with it and i think we i think the good majority of users played played around with it for a week or two and just realized this wasn't this wasn't what they were looking for this isn't this certainly isn't a facebook replacement it's not a twitter replacement um there were some kind of fun little things you could do, but it just, it, it wasn't what we were looking for, especially not for Nintendo's first foray into mobile. Um, and then we got Pokemon Go, which Nintendo has a small stake in, but that is not a game made by them, or is, uh, it's not a Nintendo game, even though they own a small share in the Pokemon company, so they still had some skin in the game with it, but... Um, Pokemon Go, you did play a lot of, right, Pierce?
1: Yeah, I played a lot of it in July.
0: Um, <laughs> yep, I, same here.
1: Yeah, I, like a lot of people, um, I fell off pretty quickly. You know, like two or three weeks after after the, the hype died down.
0: Yeah, um, I, I mean, it's there's something really cool and compelling about Pokemon Go, and I think that's why we all got sucked up into it. Um, you have a, a casual group of people who are still playing it to this day. There's uh, been a lot of uh, updates for this game that some some updates took away features. Uh, and then only recently have they been bringing some of those features back, uh, like the nearby function. Um, and then very recently we've been getting, uh, that we had the announcement the new Pokemon are coming, that they're... Going to start implementing some of the Gold and Silver Pokemon. Uh, I believe the first two they did, they, they put in are Togepi and Pichu that you can get from eggs. Um, but there when it first came out, it was it was fascinating to to actually be walking around and finding Pokemon out in the world and feeling like a real Pokemon trainer in these very shallow but still really fun ways. And and just that exploration aspect was was awesome.
1: Yeah, it it for for a moment, I think those first couple of days, it was everything we wanted. And and I'm not saying we I didn't see the the flaws in that or the lack of game in there, but I just didn't want to see them. I kind of put on my blinders and I was like, this is this is what I've been dreaming of, uh, and. and the, the flaws became very apparent very quickly, especially for myself. You live in a city. I do not. Yeah. Um, I, I was actually on the road. I was in Columbus, Ohio, uh, for a friend's wedding when it came out. We were all playing it at the wedding. And that was fine, because, you know, it's in Columbus, so there's plenty of stuff. And I kind of had a feeling that I was going to catch a lot of Pokemon in Columbus that I wouldn't be able to find in New York, where I live. Um, and then I came back to New York and learned that it's pretty much the same Pokemon around me, and there's not that many of them, because it's a rural area. And it, the wheels just fell off very quickly for me, and, and I, I understand if you live in a different area, it's probably a lot better. And there are certainly people that I work with that are still playing Pokemon Go, um, but they live in like large cities or large metropolitan
0: areas. Yeah, and I mean, I do live in a big city. Like I said, I, I'm living in St. Louis. Uh, there are no less than three Pokestops fr- that I can get to from my apartment. Like I, I can sit on this couch that I'm sitting on and can check those three Pokestops. Uh, and if you live in a rural area, you don't have that luxury. So for, for me, I could keep getting Pokeballs uh, often. I could always be stocked up on that stuff. And the free-to-play stuff of having to purchase – extra Pokeballs was ridiculous to me because, oh, I can just, I can get those easily. Uh, But for somebody living in a very small town, then that, they just didn't have access to that. And I'm sure that soured some people, but um, I think what what ended up getting me is that Pokemon Go is a simplified Pokemon experience. And in some ways that's great. Like it it makes the, the, it's all about capturing Pokemon. It's all about going out, the exploration, finding what's out there, and and then catching it. And that is probably my favorite aspect of, of Pokemon, uh, of the Pokemon experience. I, I I enjoy doing the training and the battling, and uh, you know, the Elite Four stuff, and and that's all really cool. And, and the story, the Team Rockets, all that. But it's it's that excitement of wandering into the tall grass, not knowing what you're going to come. Come up against, and then going through the dance of you know lowering a Pokemon's health and then trying to capture it, and oh, it burst out of the ball, and you know using using your Ultra Ball instead of your Great Ball because that has a better catch rate. That all that stuff is very exciting and very tense and 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 fun, and Pokemon Go distills that into its core mechanic. Like that is that is what you are doing. You're walking around a real map uh, that is. Set on the on where you actually live, and you'll just see Pokemon pop up. And wow, there's a Nidoqueen, or wow, there's a Pikachu. And if I walk to that area, I can go, uh, I can go actually catch that Pokemon. And they do have, you know, they have the Great Balls and Ultra Balls and, and regular Pokeballs, and and there are Pokemon that will break out of their balls. And I I do like the uh, I like the idea of using the the circle that you the the UI element in there that shows how to throw the ball in the right way yeah
2: uh,
0: or or have a, a better chance of catching the Pokemon if you do do it that way or, or whether it's actually upping your catch rate or was or was just giving you style points uh, I couldn't I couldn't quite tell that was actually another thing that I really enjoyed about Pokemon Go was how uh, was how it was very difficult to understand. It didn't. It didn't tell you exactly what everything did.
1: It so encouraged you, the collaboration.
0: Yeah, you got back to some of that schoolyard uh, information trading that the original Pokemon games did so well. Uh, you had people saying <laughs> you. You had the myths come back out again of what you couldn't couldn't do. Like uh, the the most prevalent one I could think of was. When somebody said, "Oh, if you tap the Pokeball after you, if you miss hitting the Pokemon with the ball, you can tap the ball while it's still on the ground, and it'll yep. it won't it won't go away. It, you know, it won't use up one of your consumables." And that that which is
1: crazy to me how that got perpetuated because
0: it's so easy to test.
1: Do it, yeah, exactly,
0: yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that gets perpetuated, and and people try it and they keep trying it. It's it's the same as when somebody says, "Oh, if you hold up and B when you throw a." Pokeball in in uh, leaf green or fire red that you know that ups the capture rate. Like I, I've done it. I've you know that's how I caught zapdos it's like, That's bullshit, and you know it. You know it's bullshit, but it's it's these placebos that you you keep trying and you convince yourself that it's actually working. And I I love that. I, I really enjoyed that. It it took me back to the times when people said that you could use strength on that truck behind the S.S.A.N., and that's where you'd find Mew. Like those, that's a really great element of Pokemon. But, but once you get past the capturing, then you just realize that wow, there's nothing more to this game. That that these Pokemon that I have, yeah, you can you can level them up by doing this weird candy system. And when you level them up, what do you actually do? I mean, there there are gyms out there that you can take over, but there isn't really a tangible benefit to, to holding the gyms. You're not leveling up experience from battles. Um, you couldn't trade Pokemon, which was a huge aspect of, of what Pokemon is, is the trading and, and battling against your friends and nothing like that was in there. And, you know, we've been told by uh, Niantic, the the developer that, Oh, you know, that's something that's on our list and maybe we'll get there. And, you know that that does sound cool yeah but but it's not there and it just it makes for this really shallow experience that is great for people who need that nostalgic trip or or you know got excited by the prospect of pokemon again and in fact it worked because pokemon sun and moon became some of the most pre-ordered nintendo games in history so there's there obviously was some of that renewed interest in pokemon because of the game but um, I think both of us ended up being relatively disappointed by it as time went on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it made my top five.
0: Um, but did it make your top five because you thought it was a good game, or did it make you your know, top five because you thought it, it was an important
1: And game? that's what I was going to explain. Like, it made my top five for that communal aspect, and the fact that I did forge memories similar to what I had with Pokemon Red and Blue when they came out when I was a kid is powerful to me. The fact that I can remember the gym that was outside of my office window and battling back and forth with like this elderly couple that for some reason was playing the game <laughs> and I saw them go out there every day at like noon and take it back from me is fun. The fact that I remember most of that wedding in Columbus <laughs> through my phone and, and walking around and talking to my friends and like, throwing out theories like the pokeball theory and and like trying to catch pokemon
0: and and just looking for pokemon for that matter yeah i in speaking of uh, pokemon go and weddings i captured what did i capture at your wedding (laughs) like an oddish or something yeah i definitely caught something (laughs) um i remember uh but yeah that was a good time
1: the gym that was my
0: venue (laughs) yes that's right i did i held that gym for a while that was great (laughs)
2: <laughs>
1: um, so yeah I mean the, I think it, it's it's a game to me it's a game and I think there are going to be a lot of core gamers out there that are saying that, that Pokemon Go doesn't have enough game aspects or the gameplay isn't good or something like that and it, it just at the end of the day it didn't matter to me and, it, and part I think one of the reasons why I'm okay with putting it in my top five as flawed as it is and being able to admit the flaws is that I got out. Well, the getting was good. <laughs> I didn't hang around for long, and I didn't sink much money into it. I think I spent ten bucks on Pokeballs. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I, I had my time with it. Uh, it was a time and place, like many other games are, um, and I'm, I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I, I the things I like most about <sighs> Pokemon Go are is it's just the moments I got. Out of it from from outside of the game, like nothing in the game compelled yeah, me exactly. that much. It was more that I was walking around my neighborhood, and I could see other people walking around my neighborhood with their heads in their phones, absolutely looking for Pokemon. Uh, and it was just this phenomenon that took over the country and the world <laughs> uh, all at the same time. Like it it came out in America before it came out in Japan, and Japan was was bracing themselves for when it came, came to their shores. Like there were, (laughs) there were signs and PSAs put around to tell people, Hey, you know, when you're crossing the road, make sure you look both ways and aren't just looking at your phone. Like (laughs) it's, it was that addicting to people. It was that prevalent that there were, there were just tons of news stories. There were news stories of people, you know, Going out and, and finding dead bodies because they were looking around for for Pokemon and just happened upon these things. It was you know a person who played in their car and got in a car accident and because they were playing the game and not looking at the road. Like that's that's all insane. It's insane that that was that big at that time. It's yeah. Um, anyway, so let's let's move on from Pokemon Go. Um, we also got Super sure. Mario yeah. Run uh, earlier this month from Nintendo, and it seems to be a pretty divisive game right now um i've i've played a little bit of it uh, enough to know that i while i think it's cool it's probably not something i'm going to stick with um i've i've heard people say that it's they really don't like it and I, I think one of the big uh big issues for people is that mario that the franchise of mario that the character of mario is so entwined with this feeling of control of you know you know exactly how mario moves you have full control over this character and for super Mario run to take away one of those aspects, take away part of that aspect by having Mario uh, run on his own and constantly just be running to the right. I think that bugged a lot of people and uh, it's, it it just seems to, it, it doesn't seem to be the big hit that people that some people thought it would be. Um, even though, like on its first day, it still made a ton of money, it, it broke broke some records and all that kind of stuff. But uh, even he, he, even so, like the apparently Nintendo's stock has dropped and their stockholders are worried about Nintendo splitting the user base, which is ridiculous because for years and years and years, the stockholders have just been asking, when are you going to get Mario on a, on a on iOS? When are you going to get Mario oh, onto the oh, iPhone? Yeah. Like, we need, you you guys need to get your stuff on there. That's where a huge user base is, and now that they have, now they're saying, well, you shouldn't have done that.
1: Nobody, uh, it's... The news surrounding Nintendo lately has been, has been really divisive, and they're almost like, people are, like, arguing the same thing and turning it into a negative or a positive. Like, Nintendo's problem is Nintendo, and then, like, when a game comes out that they really like, it's always like, oh, Nintendo's... And they'll still be in Nintendo. They're still doing the great thing. Right. And there's there's just a lot of noise surrounding the company, and and more more so surrounding the fans um, and their perception of the company. Because I I still think they're making you know great games, and they're still trying new things. And like Super Mario, Mario coming to um, iOS. doesn't for me it doesn't have to be um, like this killer app right away but i know that they're going to figure something out uh even if that's hey we're not going to be on uh, phones anymore like that's okay to me um but i i really hope that for one it somehow comes to android at some point so i can i can play any of their games not just um it's Mario game,
0: yeah, but, uh, I, I think that's the plan. Um, right now, Nintendo's excuse has been that um, they're worried about security with Android, and, and yeah, they're I, happier I, with the closed system yeah. of iOS. But it'll it'll get there eventually. There's too many users not to not to jump into that pool. So we'll see that. Um, I'm I'm more excited for Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem because I think both of those games lend themselves better to. Uh, to a mobile device, being yeah. turn-based or, uh, in Animal Crossing's case, just being a very relaxing game that um, I could see translating well to a phone. So we'll, we'll see what those are and if those are actually just kind of stripped-down versions of, of those titles or if they are robust or, or what we actually get out of them. But um, it's it's been fascinating to see what Nintendo does and how people react to it because it's no nobody's ever lukewarm on anything Nintendo does. It's either very hot or very cold, and this year seemed to be no exception. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, now that Nintendo's out of the way, let's let's move okay. on okay. to
1: somehow invaded this podcast.
0: <laughs> Do what?
1: They invaded this podcast in more ways.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. For <laughs> for a company. That, that didn't make either of the platforms that we're talking about. They sure are being brought up a lot. Um, so, yeah, let's... I, I want to talk a little bit about Reigns. Have you played Reigns? Yeah,
1: I did. I played and beat it, actually. Or, you know, came to conclusion, one of the endings. So I, I have not actually
0: gotten to an ending of that game, or, or not one that didn't end with me dying sure. relatively quickly. Um, so tell me a little bit about Reigns. Um... Brains is a game brains as in
1: R E I G N S, um, is a game where you are a king and you try to hold power as long as possible by making, um, decisions by flipping cards, either left or right. So it's mostly just like yes or no, um, questions or questions that can be sort of deduced to yes or no. At the end of the day, you get get two options in in a scenario. Um, and then you, you, you flip, you, you swipe left or right like in Tinder or something. Um, and based on those decisions, you have to control uh, four resources: the church, uh, your money, the army, and uh, the people in general, like your your subjects. Uh, and if any of those get too high, you get overthrown. If any of those get too low, you get overthrown. Um, so it it's a it's a funky game. It's a really unique game. Um, it's got this great art style, and it, it's funny as hell uh, when you're flipping the cards, like the because they'll respond to you, um, and and depending on your decisions, um, you're kind of like unlocking things as you go. Uh, there is a progression system. It, it is sort of roguelike um, insofar as like you'll when you die, like your your next heir will take over and you start the process over again. Um, but as you progress through this sort of, um, this, it's sort of a plot line, um, but it's not always mentioned, so, there, there is like a main plot of the game, but you're you're also dealing with a lot of day-to-day, like a Kingwood, for that matter, um, and you kind of uncover this mystery as you go along. So, you, there is some variety, but, uh, what I found was after, I don't know, I probably put four or five hours into the game, uh, you see a lot of the same cards, you know, and it's a lot of the same scenarios, so, I know I should always build the resource barn when the guy asks me to, because um, that's one of the perks that you can gain um, throughout the lifestyle. You get like four or five. Um, and that, that one's like a really good one. So it just kind of, as I got toward the end of the game, I felt like I was kind of making the motions, just going through the motions just to reach the ending. But for the first like two hours of that game, it's it's something special, I think.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I I haven't played a ton of it, but I've I'm still kind of in that golden time where everything is still very new to you, and um, you know, I've I've run into repeat cards before, but not enough to really understand what their effects do at this point. I haven't learned it well enough to to really break it down that way. So um, sure. It, I'm still in that learning aspect where, where things are are new and different and, and and each move I make could could be a terrible decision and that's that's just interesting to me it's it's got it's it I mean it plays out as like this kind of choose your own adventure on tinder style experience yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it's, and and it works
1: it works. And- like, like you're saying, I, at first there's... Like, when I first started playing, I was like, is this is this a really shitty game, or is this a, a cool game? Because I couldn't... I didn't know if any of my actions were really doing anything, like, if I was really in control of everything. Because when a situation is proposed to you, um, there's usually going to be uh, a positive effect to one of your factions, and a negative effect to one of your factions. Sometimes it's multiple ones at the same time, or even more so at the same time. Um but it's really hard to tell which it's going to be at first because the situations are like they're, they don't always, uh, they're not always clear who they're going to benefit or they're going to, um, hurt. so there's just a lot of trial and error at first. And I, I think I was sort of frustrated, but as I progressed in the game, I appreciated that time because there's, there's absolutely no handle. They, they just, they throw you in there. And if you die after your third decision, like, so be it, like try again sort of
0: thing. Yeah, Uh, I I think what really what really makes this what really helps the game out a lot is how um is the challenge system that they have in there. Like that that helps to progress the story or the the semi story that it's kind of telling is Uh you know, now now I know that I'm supposed to be looking for this witch because that's what my challenge is, so so I need to be on the lookout for that, and when I see her, I probably shouldn't uh, just ignore her out of hand. I should listen to what she has to say. And, you know, then you get the next one of now you have to go into, uh, you know, you need to get through the cave. And p- probably at that point, you've never even seen a cave.
2: Yeah, so,
0: exactly. <laughs> so now so, I'm on the lookout for a cave, and now you might go through the cave and, and hit a wrong and turn and die somehow. And Yeah,
1: um, and what you're on the lookout cave isn't the cave so much as someone that will propose you go to the cave. Yeah. And so there's almost there's even another step back. It's not like I can look around or something like that. It's you have to read between the lines of the text and be like, okay, I think this guy, he's like talking about some mysterious figure. I think this is the the sorcerer that or the witch or whatever that I have to find. So I'm gonna i I'm gonna follow what he has to say. So there's not even like a it's not an easy thing to, to get these challenges, I don't think. I think it, there's a right balance of difficulty in
0: them. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, difficulty I think is the wrong word, but that obscurity of...
1: Obscurity is good, yeah.
0: Yeah, of, of even if it's... I mean, you're still just choosing one option or the other on everything, so the game's not hard in that sense, but because things are just not... Because there's information that is kept from you, that makes it a little more difficult uh, in, in knowing how to progress through this thing. And, and it's similar to life in that way of, you know, you can, you make the choices that you think are best and you could end up having something really good happen or, or maybe you uh, don't take into account all of the potential consequences and then you end up dead, you know, just like (laughs) life.
1: (laughs) Certainly. Yeah. If you, so if you, if you're curious and if you're done playing it with, playing it, um, Definitely look up like the true ending I think there's there's two or three endings um, and there's like a the, the really difficult one to get is a fascinating read like a lot of people put a lot of time into figuring out how you do it and it just seems so insane like even if you know what you're supposed to be doing it's hard and difficult to unlock so uh, just if you curious
0: that's cool yeah hearing you hearing you talk about it with that kind of reverence for a game that Again, is is just kind of like Tinder swiping left or right. It's that that sounds cool to me. It's is, a neat game, yeah. is that it's there's something? A lot of respect for it.
2: it's
0: yeah, that, that something has that depth to it that I want to. Even with that simple interface, I want to I want to see what that is. So that's that's pretty cool. Um. Uh. So, iOS is not um. Not devoid of ports. Um. It's not. <laughs> It's not quite Vita levels of, of port city, but um, there's there were a lot of good ports uh, that also came to iOS this year. Um, we mentioned some of those when we were talking about Vita, so like Severed came to iOS, uh, SteamWorld Heist came to iOS this year. Um, I'm trying to look at look at those other things. Crypt of the Necrodancer got one. Uh, so there's some good stuff there, but the one I really want to talk about that uh, I've been waiting to be on a mobile platform for a long time because, I mean, if you've just heard me from this podcast or really any podcast and, and heard about my love of turn-based strategy games, then you would kind of take a guess that I would probably love Invisible Inc. Uh, so Invisible Ink is by the guys, from, guys at Clay, guys and gals at Clay, uh, K-L-E-I, and they are known, at least by me, for making one of my favorite games, and that's Mark of the Ninja uh, for Xbox 360. Great okay. game. It's a fantastic game, absolutely. Um, they, they've also made some other games that I have not played. Um, uh, and, and then Don't Starve as well. They, they make uh, Don't Starve, which I've tried on Vita last year and, and couldn't quite get into, even if I loved the art style. Uh, those guys always make really great art. Um, and Invisible Ink is no exception. It kind of... Art-wise, it feels or uh, art style and art direction feels very similar to something like Archer, the television show Archer, uh, because this is this is a game all about spies, like a spy network, and it has this somewhat cel shaded art style that is somewhat reminiscent of the show. Uh, Invisible Link is a much more serious game though than than the comedy show of Archer, but. Um, it's a turn-based strategy game you get new uh characters that you can bring in and usually it's just two characters that you take into any one mission and even though it is uh turn-based and and grid-based isometrically grid-based it's it's very heavy on the stealth which is not something that you see in a lot of those kinds of games uh, like fire emblem doesn't really have stealth in it um there will be, like, avoiding character, avoiding enemies' uh, attack ranges or things like that, but that's not really stealth. Whereas this, it's very much taking cover or closing doors and avoiding vision cones. And it's, it's a very deliberate game in the way that you play it. Um, because it can be quite difficult, even on its easiest settings, when you don't take into account all of all of the consequences. I I mean, we just kind of talked about that same kind of thing with reigns, but uh, it's even to a higher degree in invisible ink of, you need to know all the, all the things that you have available to you, all the, uh, all the actions you have available to you and all the actions available to the, the guards that you're going against or the, the hacking or the computers that you're trying to hack and without alerting the security systems and things like that. It's, it's really cool and I think the coolest part of it is actually how accessible it can be. Oh, that's good. Because it has you can you can go in and play a default game, but then when I was playing this on iPad, I played one of the custom games. And when you start up a custom game, it's it's very much I mean the game is very much like XCOM where it has so many days before you have to before like the big Mission happens, uh, whereas XCOM has something similar where you're trying to kind of get your base ready for the big alien invasion or the big alien attack. Um, so it's it's managing your resources in a very limited amount of time. But when you play the custom game, you can adjust what that time is. So I think in like the normal game, you get uh, eight days or eight hours. I can't remember which one, um, but it's you only have so much time for missions uh, and each mission you take on takes a certain amount of time. So you need to kind of pick and choose which missions you do to make sure your team is set up as well as they can be for the big final mission. And in the custom game, you can, you can adjust that to be longer so you can get to play more of the game that's there and and have more of the uh, abilities and characters available to you for, for taking on that big final mission you can give yourself a bunch of money at the beginning. So you're able to, to take on more of those power-ups that cost, that cost money as you're going through. Um, and because of all the little tweaks that you can make, not just to the difficulty, but to the, uh, just to the, the limits that your limits of your abilities and the, the limits of your, um, of, of like your quantities of, of money and, and research and that kind of stuff, it it just makes for a really accessible experience that I really liked. And and I kind of like going through games... Um, <laughs> I guess I like going through games somewhat easy. I like my yeah, games to yeah. be kind of I relaxed, which we kind of talked about with SteamWorld Heist as I played that game on easier difficulties because I really just enjoyed... The playing of the game rather than the challenge of the game and invisible link kind of has that where it still is challenging but it's it's a friendlier challenge um when you want it to be and if you don't want it to be a friendly challenge that game can get real hard real quick if you make it that way Uh, so as much as i would like to see this game show up to vita sometime which i kind of doubt it will. the the iPad version the iOS version is is really solidly done and uh, and definitely worth checking out I know it's also out on PS4 and, and PC um, and I believe the PS4 version was was just recently on the uh, PlayStation Plus free games uh, so I, I got that for free from there and I would be interested in trying it on on a bigger screen because that art is just so sharp and nice looking that uh, I bet it's I bet it's kind of a, a joy uh, to see it on a big screen like that.
1: Looks cool. I will, it's on my list of things to play.
0: Yep. Uh, well, what's something on your list that you did play?
1: Um, I, before we talk about uh, the big one that we want to talk about, I, I should give a shout out to Alton um, uh, Adventure, which came out on Android early 2016 that you turned me on to. Yeah. That's a fun, endless runner. and. Very serene one with its uh, great like ambient soundtrack and the snow and the, the setting sun uh, rising sun aspect uh, is really just peaceful. I, I put a ton of time into it. I didn't expect to like. That's why I even I'm kind of like uh, I'm surprised it's on my list because it was a long time ago. One, but also like I had such low expectations for that game. Uh, it's worth playing. If you somehow missed it when it came out on iOS, whenever it came out, like 2014 or 2015?
0: Uh, I think it came out last year. Okay, so 2015 and then when it came out,
1: or I think it came out in like February of 2016 or January. Um, check it out. It, it's, it has that same um, structure of having like uh, uh, challenges that you can do and then you can unlock new characters that have different abilities. And, and then even beyond that, once you unlock all the characters, I don't know how much more of the game there is. But I kind of gave up after I unlocked the uh, all the characters, but it's still still got a lot of challenge and still a uh, lot. Um, I'm happy you, you told me to play it because it's one of those games that I'll probably revisit every now and then when I. Have a couple minutes I don't have anything else
0: to do definitely it's it's such a gorgeous game um and it's something i still continually go back to i i don't even really like endless runners that much Neither do uh, I, yeah. I put i put a very small amount of time into Cannibalt and thought wow this art style is really cool and i just am not having much fun playing this thing and you know super mario run even though it's not an endless runner is still a runner and I'm having similar issues with that. I'm like, man, I just don't know how much I really enjoy playing this. But Alto's Adventure, for for whatever reason, uh, and I think some of it's just that it's it's a lot easier of a runner in that you're not you're not making a bunch of Twitch-based uh, decisions. It's yeah. more of just this very serene snowboarding, you're taking jumps, you're most of the ways that you will die is by deciding that you want to go a little too big on your jump and maybe doing too many backflips when you should have just done like a very easy one. Uh, so it's, it's not so much that it's a hard game. It's just the amount of effort you want to put into it. And, and I just found it really, really fun to play for five minutes or 30 minutes. Like I could yeah. I could put a ton of time into that game and, and still enjoy it. Um, there, there is a lot more, there are a lot more challenges, uh, of, of different things that the game asks you to do, even when you unlock all the characters. But yeah, getting, getting to that final character is, is more or less kind of when the game is, is over at that point. I mean, there's, it's more of just a victory lap after that of, of picking off the, the final challenges. Um, but yeah, I, I would very much like for more content to show up in that game. I, I know they've uh, added in a little bit here or there, but uh, that that game can use a nice big update to it that adds in some more characters and maybe another mechanic or something like that. But uh, yeah, I love Alto's Adventure. I know it made my top 10 list, whether it came out in 2014 or 15. Uh, it definitely made, made my list. And uh, having an Android version out there for... Everyone else to play this year is, God, it's a great game. People should just go great pick game. that up with without any reservations. Um, I'll quickly get through some other games that I played. Um, maybe not very much. Uh, I played a couple games of really bad chess, and I think that's a very cool concept that I'm just not very receptive to. Um, uh-huh. it's, it's such a cool concept, though. The, the idea that it's a very uh, unbalanced chess board where you begin the game and you have a bunch of queens and a bunch of extra power pieces, and you're just playing a regular game of chess, but you have all these great pieces and the opponent has, you know, a ton of pawns. And so you're going to win that game. So you you win that game of chess, and then it has you play another game of chess. But now, based on how well you did on on the previous game, it adjusts the the piece the pieces for the next board. So maybe it drops your pieces down a little bit and upgrades the computer's pieces, and now you play again. And you just keep playing until, until you reach that, that even point of playing a regular game of chess against the computer. And then if you're really good, then it starts handicapping you. And I think that's such a cool idea, and I just don't have the patience to play a game of chess against a computer for, like, the five minutes that I need my mobile experience to be. Sure. Uh, now, I, I enjoy playing chess, and if I can play chess against another human who's looking at me, uh, then I, I have a much better time. It, it, you get that, that extra aspect. I mean, it's the same thing with a game like poker or blackjack. It's, I mean, you can play a video version of it. But kind of, what's the point? Uh,
1: I don't yeah. know. There's a lot of pressure when you're playing against someone else.
0: Well, yeah, but that's the, that's the fun of it. Like The pressure is part of the, the cool nature of it. Uh, and, and the same goes for chess. So when I'm playing really bad chess, I will make really terrible moves because I'm just trying to get through it quickly. Uh, and, and that's just not the way you should play chess. So even even when I am handicapped and have... Uh, have a much better set of pieces than the opponent. I still am making dumb moves because I know I want to get through whatever this experience is in the next five or ten minutes before the meeting I have to get to, or before uh, before I'm ready at the dentist or something like that. So it just, as much as I appreciate the concept, it just did not work for me in practice. Um, I also want to want to give a quick shout out to Warbits. Which I think I talked to you about uh, earlier this yeah, year. Yeah, I don't
1: know if it's on Android because I was looking for it and I couldn't
0: find it. Oh, that that'd be a real shame. Um, so Warbits is Advance Wars, and there's there's no getting around it. It is, it's not really a rip off of Advance Wars, uh, but it's it borders on a rip off. I guess <laughs> it's it's such a it's such a close. Knit relative to advance wars just i it has the same units it has the same environmental features it has a similar art style i mean it I, advance wars is is very pixel based and and warbits is is vectory clean looking flash kind of stuff but uh, it still the direction the art direction is is very evocative of the advance wars style and you're still having the red army go against the blue army and uh, it's it's just so spot on and while part of that is like wow you guys just made advance wars the other part of it is wow you guys made advance wars for uh, an iOS device and now i can have this really great game experience on my phone where I might not always bring my 3ds with me and it's it's awesome to have that style of game because there have been a lot of games on on ios or on mobile phones that have tried to be like Advance wars or, or tried to take things from advanced wars and and make a game like that and of all the ones i've played they just haven't even gotten close to you know the right experience and whether that's just the units didn't feel right, or the balance was off, or the art looked uh, just f- foreign and, and wrong from from what you expect out of an experience like that, and Warbits just nails everything. And you know, part of the reason why is just because they're so uh, faithful to what Advance Wars is. But uh, I've had a I've had a great time playing it, and I'm going to keep playing it, and uh, it's. It it got an honorable mention for me in my top ten, uh, because I I just don't know if I can in a good conscience say like wow what a great new game you guys made when it's it's very much not a, when it's not a new game at all it's it's just Advance Wars, <laughs> but it doesn't seem like Intelligent Systems is making a new Advance Wars anytime soon so I'm glad somebody is, uh, and that that warms my heart. Um. And then the, the last game I want to talk about before we get into our final uh, discussion is uh, a game that, uh, you know, is, is cool to me because it's local. This is a game that's made by a St. Louis company called Butters- Butterscotch Shenanigans. Uh, it's called Crashlands. And um, if, you've, if you've played, uh, we mentioned Clay before, I mentioned Clay before, uh, and their game, Don't Starve. Uh, Crashlands is very much in that same boat where it's kind of that survival game. You're exploring around this space, you're finding crafting materials, and you're making new stuff. The, the difference, though, is that where, uh, where Don't Starve is very heavy on the survival aspects, where, I mean, Don't Starve has multiple meters there's a sanity meter, there's a hunger meter, there's a uh, how much you had to drink meter. All, all of those things are, are going in to constantly push you forward to the exploration. Crashlands is a very relaxed experience and it's got a bit of a story that you can go around and find, but it's, it's very much about uh, building up your character and exploring and, and having that, that don't starve style experience, but in a, in a very uh, calm way. That uh, a very relaxing way that is just like oh man I can jump into this and uh, and have a good time and it's it's very progression based where where Don't Starve is very run based if once you die in Don't Starve you have to start a new character from scratch in Crashlands if you die your character you know loses a few materials that you can go back out and and get again you can pick up off your dead body because you just respawn again and and there isn't that much of a penalty to uh to death so there's there's something nice about that and i I think it's still the game still has some rough edges to it but uh it keeps getting constantly updated and they they've done some some really good work with it and and i i want to acknowledge it because it's it seems to be doing well on the app store and, and getting some good reviews and you know, I get a little bit of St. Louis pride that hey, I, I know some of the the people who made that game, and it's great for them to be getting getting their due. Uh, so, Crashlands, I think it, I, I don't don't quote me on that. It might be free to play, or if it's not free, it's cheap. Uh, but it's but cheap, it's four ninety
1: nine on um, okay. Free to play.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, that's you know what that's still a really good price for for the amount of time you can sink into a game like that.
1: Yeah, my download side, actually.
0: It's uh it's pretty cool. Uh, I would I would tell you to uh, pay attention to the story at least early on. Uh, not so much in uh, you don't have to pay attention to what the story is is telling you or like keep up on you know characters motivations or anything. But but definitely do some story missions early on because there will be uh, gear that you will only unlock by doing some of those early story missions. And I played a lot of that game. Without <laughs> – because I, I kind of felt like it was Skyrim at the beginning where it was like, oh, well, I could do the story or I could just go out and do whatever the hell I want and have a fun time. So I was going to – I chose to do that. <laughs> I chose to go around and, and uh, just try to upgrade all my stuff as much as I could and then just maybe go through the story at some other point. And uh, I, I got to a point where it's like, man, I'm not progressing at all anymore anymore. And why is that? Why are people talking about these these pieces of gear that I that seem like they're real basic, and I just haven't found anything like that? And then you do a couple story missions, and they go, "Oh, here, here's this thing. Here, have this." And I go, oh, well, I could have I could have used this hours ago. Uh, so again, another PSA just to help you uh, not tear your hair out. Definitely play through some of those early story missions to get. Um, some of those pieces of equipment and and, uh, blueprints and things like that so you uh, can keep progressing through that game All right, let's talk about one of our favorite mobile games of the year Um, yeah, in my top 5 it's in my top 10 as well Um, and it's it's just so damn good Uh, and that's Mini Metro
1: yeah, really um uh, Who were, were you talking about? It? How do we figure this out? How do we, did we come I, to it independently?
0: I brought it up to you. I know that. Um, I do not quite remember where I heard about it from.
1: Um, yes. Yeah, so, so Mini Metro is. Uh, Would you call it a real-time strategy game? Would you call it a puzzler? I.
0: You know, I, when I read your top five, you brought it up as a real-time strategy game. And at first I went, Pierce, you don't understand genres. Like, come on. That's no way. Um, because when I think of real-time strategy, I'm thinking of selecting units and, and sure. telling them to go somewhere and go kill this thing or, or build these units out of this barracks. And, and that's definitely not what Mini Metro is. Um, but I can see where you got there. And I, I think it's it's somewhat valid and those can kind of sure. live in, in similar spaces. I think I would call it more of a of a simulation game.
1: Simulist, um,
0: sure. I think you're it's closer to something like a Sim City uh, than it is to something like a StarCraft. Okay, that's
1: fair. Yeah, so Mini Metro um, is a game where you're building uh, public transportation lines, uh, be it uh, subways or trains or uh, I think of trolleys also. Yep. In um, and so you need to connect these different um, population centers in, in real life cities in order to ferry people from from location to location. And you get a point for successfully completing that location delivery. That, uh, that whatever you want to call it. Well, yeah.
0: Each passenger who gets to their destination yeah. adds a point to your total.
1: Yeah. So uh, so there's like a high score system in that way. Um, and then there are limitations. You, you you sometimes have to deal with rivers, you, you use tunnels, but there are a limited amount of those tunnels. There's a lot of resource management in that way. and There's also like you, you get uh, once a week you get um, upgrades or not upgrades, but And that's once a week
0: in in-game time.
1: No. In-game time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and you get uh, a chance to kind of improve your infrastructure by adding a new carriage or, you know, adding a new line or getting bridges or tunnels or something like that. So um, as you progress through the weeks, it gets more difficult because there are more people that need to use your um, subway system. And eventually when uh, there's a buildup at one of your stations, that's how you lose. And it records your I score and you can try to get
0: yeah, uh, so the, as you're playing through the game, new stations will pop up around the map, and then you have to keep connecting those to your lines. And it it can it starts out very calming and very serene, and will when you when you get to the end of any one session, it's it's super tense and and you're you're pausing the game and trying to uh, completely re remap all of your uh, Last week, it. But yeah, you're you're trying to remap your entire uh, subway system and and trying to figure out how you can actually be a little bit more efficient, and it just gets very chaotic. But the the thing I like most about the game is the art style because it it's very reminiscent of a of like a New York subway map where it's, it's very Helvetica-based and very um, muted colors of the backgrounds, but then very bright, uh, very bright colors for the individual lines. Like the, the, first, the first map that you can play on is London, and each of the different lines that you make will, will be in the primary colors. Like you, you have the red line and the blue line and the yellow line and then you can add on more lines through through the upgrades like you talked about Pierce but it's it's just such a a pretty looking game that that uses minimalism in a really a really nice way and it's it just it it gives you this nostalgia for the public transportation that you use every day or or even seeing road signs and stuff like that. It, it's very evocative of that. And that's, that's cool, but they're able to play around in that world in that art style, uh, to make, to make it feel like this kind of living world. And it's, it feels a little bit like an ant farm in, in a lot of ways yeah,
2: that's accurate. Yeah,
0: where you just see the, the train cars going back and forth. Um, and then something, something else I really like is how each map has little variations on the mechanics, uh, whereas the London map is very basic. Uh, there, there will be other maps like San Francisco has a very large uh, body of water that you have to deal with, and you're probably going to need to use more bridges to to cross those gaps. Um, my favorite map by far is Osaka because you get access to a new type of train called the Shinkansen, the, the bullet trains. And so you have your regular slower-moving trains that you get by default, and then you can add in the, the Shinkansen um, at various points to to really help alleviate some of the, the traffic that's going on. And, and having those bullet trains is an obvious boon to you, because those, those trains go much faster than the super than the regular slow trains um so you can put the the shinkansen on a longer line like the 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 regular slow trains are good for uh for very close together stops train stops but if you have a very long uh, a very long uh journey between stops it's great to have the shinkansen there because that train can then pick up its full speed and get to those places a lot more quickly but the shinkansen kind of loses its uh loses its perks when it is constantly stop starting on very close together things so you kind of have to balance where where you use those things um so just a lot of really great variety in in the way that game works and it's it's something that that I think we both just fell in love with uh, pretty immediately.
1: Yeah, I, I, you, it, it's easy to get right away. And um, what I found myself doing after I got the hang of it is experimenting a lot more. It's like, what is like as population centers crop up um, and stations uh, crop up, and you need to connect them, that your your lines are going to morph, and your original vision is going to change a lot of how you see this city being laid out. Um, but there's definitely strategies involved, and, and I think there's a lot of room for experimentation.
0: Absolutely, uh, yeah. Like
1: uh, that was really exciting.
0: And and it's something that I wanted to experiment with on my own, and, and really learn by myself, because it was very rewarding. And then when I felt like I had a good strategy, it was great to talk with you or other players and trade and do our own kind of trade secrets of, well, I I find that doing that, making a full loop is, is much better than having a a linear line that goes back and forth because now then you get to these things faster. Oh, okay. Well, I'll give that a shot and, and see how that works for somebody or, or how, uh, you can have these multiple lines, so should they cross? Like, how many times should they cross? Should they, they have these shared parts of their lines where... Uh, because uh, something that we didn't mention, each of these stations is a different shape. Um, and, and the different shapes correspond to where the different passengers want to go. So at the beginning of the game, you start with a square, a triangle, and a circle. And the different passengers will show up as little pips on each station... And those pips will be in the shape of the station they want to get to. So there might be uh, a square and a triangle at the circle station, and your train needs to get them to the other two stations that are on that line. Um, so it's it's kind of a balancing act of well, how do you you know do I if I only have one square station on my map, but I've got a ton of triangles and circles, then maybe I want both of my different lines, or all three of my different lines to all meet up at that square so they can all you know, use those passengers without having to uh, yeah. drop people off to a different line and and make them go further and and you actually learn uh, somewhat indirectly about you know uh, traffic patterns and and how to avoid uh, how to avoid jams like that and and it gave me a new appreciation for transportation, uh, like city planning and, and that kind of stuff where, you know, part of me just, you know, I, I'm sure everyone has had this thought at some point. It's like, oh man, why don't, why doesn't every city just have a grid system? Like, why isn't every city just, uh, why isn't every city like New York city where it's just a block with four roads around it? And then the next block has four roads around it. And wouldn't that be easier? Cause then everybody could just get their places. But then you think about it and you play a game like mini Metro and you understand if you if you put a ton of stops on this one line, that slows your train way down because it has to start and stop at each of those places, just like having uh, all those roads around all those different blocks on that grid system is going to require you to have stoplights there, and that's going to make that traffic very stop and start. So if you have this interstate that goes faster and doesn't have those stops, uh, and that allows people the traffic flow to get to different places much more quickly and you know that's that's something you know i know it's it's something that that makes sense and and it's not something you that see it in practice right yeah that's yeah. definitely seeing it in practice just you know adds this whole extra layer of understanding to it and it's it's awesome for sure um i i think i have it as my highest uh, mobile game on my list um, of of anything. Invisible Link might be higher, um, but but I love both of those games very much so, and I I look forward to playing a lot more Mini Metro in the future. Uh, I know that the the two developers they're from New Zealand uh, that they're working on some new maps and and some more updates to the game, and I'm looking forward to it because that that game is just awesome.
1: Yeah, it really is.
0: Cool. Well, uh, Pierce, I think that kind of does it. Yeah, I, I, I
1: think, I mean, there are a couple other games I've played, but I don't really need to talk about them. And there's a bunch of video games I missed. That's what I've learned in this podcast.
0: Yeah, I mean, that. that's the great thing about this podcast. I mean, uh, uh, that's, that's what I liked more about this more conversational style that we did this year as opposed to trying to make a top whatever list in previous years. It's now we can just talk about some really good games and if there's something that somebody hadn't played then they can just go check it out and see it themselves. I think that having this more holistic view is is much more valuable to to people than trying to determine how much better mini metro is than invisible Inc. or vice versa. Like that's Yeah, absolutely. Like, can't we just say they're both great games and then have you go out and try it yourself and and make your own decision? But uh, if they're both great games, then then you're <laughs> you're going to do fine getting both of them. Uh, but if you do care how how much better Mini Metro is than than Invisible Link, then definitely check out Look at our list. Uh, the list that we made, which uh, should be up. Uh, you know, Pierce's list, like I said, is up while this podcast is up, and then. Mine's going up very soon after, so uh, look for those. Uh, Pierce, why don't you uh, plug anything that you'd like to while you have the opportunity?
1: Sure. Uh, Find me on Instagram. I guess that's the only thing I'm using these days, so... And not all all that often. Um, But it's just my full name, uh, and that's Pierce Corshane. P-I-E-R-C-E-C-O-U-R-C-H-A-I-N-E. Yeah, I don't really post about gaming too much, but you can see my life in pictures.
0: <laughs> well, I enjoy seeing your life in pictures, but it probably has <laughs> something to do with me being your friend and, and knowing you quite well. Exactly. <laughs> um, as for uh, Gamers on the Go, GamersOnTheGo.com is where you can go to uh, to see all of our newest content. Um, for all of our 2016 Game of the Year extravaganza stuff, um, we are using the tag G-O-T-G-G-O-T-Y 2016, uh, and that tag should be on every one of our posts that uh, is going up uh, for, for all of this game of the year coverage. So you can see everybody's list. We've had a ton of contributors. Um, I'm really proud of the, the collection of, of contributors that we have and, and the the big collection of games that they brought to, I I mentioned this on the three DS podcast, but um, every one of our contributors had at least one game on their list that I hadn't played. And, I am excited to to dig into uh, some of these games that I missed that that people I have a lot of respect for have said they are good. Uh, so I'm looking forward to trying those out uh, over the Christmas break and, and over the uh, early period of 2017. Um, so yeah, a lot of good stuff. Um, also, our Twitter is at GOTGpodcast if you want to get in touch with the podcast and let us know of uh, a game or or... A game that you'd like us to cover at some point or um, just want to talk about, you know, how wrong we were to mention <laughs> that Crashlands was on this game of the year <laughs> podcast or something, even though that's good. I'll fight you about that. Crashlands is awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, this, I believe, concludes concludes that coverage. Um, yeah. It concludes our podcasting anyway. Uh, I know Pierce. I've got you scheduled for a couple of other podcasts that I'm looking forward to doing in 2017. Yep. Um, I'll be around. You just need to play the games first. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I bought. Uh, uh, well, no, I played through Super Mario Bros. The original. I scum saved a lot, but I, I beat it. Um, it counts. And then now I'm playing Mario Kart Seven, so I'm avoiding all the games you suggested.
0: All right, well that's that's fair. I, you know what? I haven't done a podcast on a Mario Kart game yet. Um, Let's do it. Let's do seven. And I've I've played all of those, and they are all very very good. So um, yeah, but you you heard it here first, guys. There's going to be a Mario, Mario Kart, Kart Seven games. podcast for gamers on the go eventually here.
2: Ding,
0: ding, 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 ding. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll. Uh, We've got a lot of new content uh, that's coming up in the next year, and I'm, I'm glad to have Pierce and Matt and, and some of these other contributors I'll try bringing back. And what I'd really like to do in this next year is get more of uh, the developers on and to talk about the games that they made and why they made the decisions they made because I, I find those conversations, not that I find the conversations I have with Pierce or Matt to be boring because these guys have, have really good insights and, and really good things to say, but... Uh, to to hear it straight from the horse's mouth in in some instances is uh, is really cool and and valuable and, and interesting and is something I I would want to hear if I was listening to podcasts that's what I'd want to know is like, oh what is what does the developer actually have to say about their own game so yeah. we'll try to do some more of that in 2017 and a lot of that is on me to to contact those guys and and figure out. Uh, when something like that can happen, and finding the right developers and the right games, and a lot of it, a lot of it's on scheduling, which is very difficult sometimes. But we will make the effort. So, Pierce, thank you for coming on.
2: Yeah, thanks for having
0: me. And uh, thank you all for listening. We will talk to you in the new year. Happy holidays, everybody. Hey, 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 hey.